1: They knew it was Joseph's coat. Why didn't they come? Why didn't they come and, and tell Why did they send a servants? He's suspicious about that. And then he's been watching them, as we've seen here, and he's seen they have this strange stare at each other. Why are they strangely staring at each other when we're starving to death and there's food down in Egypt? So he's suspicious. And in his suspicion, he's clinging to Benjamin. He's keeping him back. And notice it says in verse 4, this word, and Israel said unto, in verse 4, this word, sent. Jacob sent not with his brethren, see? And that's the same word, sent, that we saw over and over in Genesis chapter 37, verse 13. Genesis 37, 13 is when it said, Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send thee unto them, and he said, here am I, he said, go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, well with the flocks, and bring me word again, so he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, he came to Shechem, see that word, sent, sent, it's over, used over and over again, in verse 37, 14, 37, 14, I will send thee, 37, 15, 37, 15, so he sent him, now in verse four, Jacob sent not his brethren, and he said, "Be unless some trouble happens, And what he's saying there, what he's saying there, he said, I'm not going to make that mistake twice. I'm not going to make that same mistake a second time. I'm not going to lose Benjamin like I lost Joseph. And so we can see Jacob as he's going through this in his mind and he's saying, he's going through the if only condemnation, the if only self-condemnation. If only I had not sent Joseph away to his brothers, I'd have him here today with me now. It's all my fault. I'm to blame because I sent Joseph away to his brothers. I'll never forgive myself if only I had not done that. And this is the, that's the same, the same thing that, that the devil plays with us. If only I had decided not to drive on Highway 52 that day when that driver crossed over in the wrong way, crashed into the car with my family, I mean, and, and they wouldn't have been hurt. If only I had not used Roundup to kill the, the weeds, I wouldn't have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma today, whatever. And all the other if-onlys, if-onlys. That word send is very important for Jacob because Jacob saw himself as the cause of losing Joseph because he sent Joseph to his brothers and that caused the loss of Joseph with the if only I had not sent self-condemnation. But it's interesting that although Joseph, Jacob is talking like this, Joseph doesn't talk like this. It's interesting that Joseph also spoke about the time when he was sent and he didn't see it as his father did with his father sending him, he saw it in Genesis 50, verse 20, in Genesis 50, verse 20, where it's, he was speaking to his brothers, Joseph is gonna speak to his brothers, and he's gonna say, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it to good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. So when Joseph talks about being sent, he said God meant it for good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. And when Joseph said that word, meant, God meant it for good, he used a fabulous Hebrew word, chashab, chashab, which is the same word that has been translated cunning, and we've talked about it before in Exodus 26.1. In Exodus 26.1, when God was giving the instructions to Moses to make the tabernacle, he said, moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen, blue, purple, and scarlet, Cherubims of cunning, chashab, work shalt thou make him. What's he talking about? He's talking about weaving. He's talking about using these threads the blue thread, the scarlet thread, the purple thread, and to weave them to make the cherubims in there. So God told Moses, You make these curtains for the tabernacle. These tabernacles were going to be of fine linen, and into the curtains, you are to weave chashab. These, tab- these, these cherubim and you're to use the threads of the blue and the purple and the scarlet and all this intricate weaving that God was doing there to make these, that God was telling Moses to do, to make these cherubims, these angels using these colored threads. All that intricate weaving is called chashab, chashab. So when Joseph is telling his brothers that they were thinking evil against them, then Joseph said, yes you were, but God was at work as a weaver. And God was weaving, he was hashabing, which is not a word. Anyway, <laughs> their evil for good. What could be a more beautiful tapestry than a work that shows the saving of much people alive? And that's what God did with their evil, with their evil intentions against Joseph. God took those evil intentions like threads, And he made this beautiful tapestry of saving much people alive. And so when Joseph uses the word chashab, or we, for what God does, Joseph is stating what it says in Psalm 76.10. Psalm 76.10 says, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. So the wrath of man is what Joseph's brothers had against Joseph. And God took that wrath like a thread and he says okay I can use that thread and he begins to weave he begins to weave of what will become the tapestry showing saving much people alive that brings praise to God because God is a saving God but there was another thread there and there was a thread that well now we're going to kill Joseph which is what they originally wanted to do kill Joseph says no I can't use that thread so he restrains that says I can't use that now, the greatest moment in Joseph's life, the, great, the highlight in his life will come in Genesis 47, 25. Genesis 47, 25 is when it can be all the Egyptians are gonna come together and they said, thou has saved our lives. Think about that. All of Egypt coming to Joseph and saying, thou has saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's servants. But actually, Joseph's brother's wrath against Joseph extended at first to, to, to wanting to kill him. And that was, as I said, the what he restrained. But their desire to kill Joseph, that wasn't used for God, so he keeps it out. So this is the weaving of God. This is God seeing this, this is seeing God as the weaver, as the hashaber, as the one who is taking all of these things that are bad, they're evil, and making them to come for good. That's the way to break the cycle, this unending cycle of blaming yourself For a decision that ended up in a seeming tragedy. That's the end. It's to see God as the weaver. To see him there. And it stops all the if I had. The hashab work of God. It reminds me of what happened at the Del Mar Fair this last week. For most at the Del Mar Fair. It's people that just walk by. Without any reverence. Without any regard for God's son. At the child evangelism booth there. The Bible cancel. And I call out to them. How about coming in to hear what the Bible says? Or come on in, how about a free, you know, Dad, can your son hear what the Bible says? And most people ignore, and they just don't answer because they figure I'm a lunatic. I'm calling out to them, and I was thinking as this was going on, and just the masses of people walking by, and I'm calling out, and I'm thinking about how God does that in Proverbs 124. Proverbs 124, God says, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, Proverbs 124. God calls. God stretches out his hand, and no man regards. Some respond. Some say, maybe later. Some, some say, well, we got to go right now. And then there's the one that's just, just astounding. I told you where the people say, we're good. We're good. And I said, no, you're not. Matthew 19, 17 The Lord Jesus said there's none good But one, that's God But then there came this teenager This last Thursday night This teenager named Dominique And he was kind of circling around The front of the Bible castle He reminded me of the time when I've gone fishing And I put the fishing over the boat And I watched fish just kind of circle around The hook and the bait there That's what he reminded me of He was just circling around there That baited hook So, you know, I was saying, come on, come on. You know, I I said, and I was finally able to get him, to convince him to come in and sit right down. So that was great. I thought maybe he'd sit in the front chair, little yellow chairs. He was kind of older. No, no, he sat off to the side. Okay, that's all right. And then I put up the first picture representing heaven, and I asked him, what does that remind you of, Dominique? And he says, Argos, from Greek mythology. And I thought, oh, I got one of these, okay. And so after two more pictures, what happened was another little girl, a little girl, about five years old, named Leanna. And she came into the booth with her parents and sat in the chair on the other side. So I thought, wow, this is an interesting scene here. We got Dominique on one side, of the one wall, and then Leanna and her parents sitting on the other wall, nobody in the middle of, and so I said, okay, Dominique, you don't mind if I restart? So I restarted again. And then I came to the part where I asked them the question, have you ever lied? Dominique, have you ever lied? Leanne, have you ever lied? They both nodded their head. Yes, they had lied. Okay. And when I got to the picture of the Lord on the cross, I asked Dominique, do you know what he's doing here? Do you know what he's doing here on this cross? And Dominique says, no, I don't. I don't. And so, you know, he, he's probably about, I don't know, 12, 14, 14, I think he was, 14, yeah. And then I asked Leanna, I said, do you know what he's doing here? I was expecting her to say, you, you know, he's dying for our sins. You know what she said? Oh, right from heaven, from an angel's mouth, he's taking our place. <laughs> At that moment, I said, okay, that's it, over. I gotta go think about this a little bit. <laughs> he's taking our place. Where's my meditation place? He's taking our place. Five-year-old. Then I asked Dominique, I asked Dominique, I said, do you know why the Lord is taking our place? And Dominique says, no, I don't know, I don't know. So then I go to the resident theologian, Leanna. Do you know why the Lord is taking our place? Right from the mouth of an angel to protect us. Oh, God, I think I really do want to stop this and go think about this a little bit to protect us, she said, to protect us, oh, then I came to the point of asking them to make a decision, to pray the sinner's prayer, tell, you told me you lied, tell God you lied, tell God you're a sinner because you lied, tell God you believe that he became a man, tell God that you believe he died for your sins, he took our place. Tell God you've decided to choose him as your savior. You've decided to open up your heart, choose him. I turned to Dominique. I said, Dominique, you want to do that? You want to receive the Lord as your savior? And he said, no, which didn't surprise me. And then I turned to Leanne. Do you? She said, yes. And then I said, okay, now I just want you to know that we have just had constructed now in this child evangelism booth a very significant scene. A very significant scene because on this side where Dominique was, we have the no side. And on this side, we have the yes side. And that's just like the two thieves on the cross because on one side of the cross, we have the yes thief. And the other side of the cross, we have the no thief from Luke 23, 38, Luke twenty three thirty eight, which says, a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, that's the no side, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, this is the yes side, the other answering him rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt thou be with me in paradise. So we had in that booth there the no side. We had the yes side, just like the thieves on the cross there. And then Dominique said, excuse me, I have one question. And he said to me, how do you know that all this is true? Before I could answer, the resident theologian (laughs) The five year old Leanna says, Because the Bible says it's true. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> what could I say except that's right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he wanted to add all the, the scripted questions from the atheist about uh, slavery in the book of Exodus and God ordained slavery and I explained to him that it was a custom in that day and what was really important was not the slavery part but what God commanded the masters to do to their slave which is to be kind to them be considerate to them and, when, and, and then, then when Dominique was gone then I, I went again to the resident theologian and I asked her to pray for Dominique and that was a glorious time Now we see Joseph's brothers here and they're arriving into Egypt. They're on the no side, but they're about to cross over. As I told Dominique, God loves crossovers. So you can go from that side to this side. And this is what's happening with these brothers. When it says in verse five, the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So here we see Joseph's brothers are now called the sons of Israel, the sons of Israel. They've gone from being called the brothers of Jacob in verse three to now in verse five, they are the sons of Israel. That's a new name for them. That's the first time they've gotten that name, the sons of Israel. It's interesting because the name Israel was given to Jacob as we saw in Genesis chapter 32. And it means Prince with God. And when this new name of Israel was given to Jacob, there was also a new power along with the name Israel, and that new power was given to Jacob with his new name of Israel, because he says, for as a prince hast thou power with God. And that new power that was given to Jacob along with his new name was a power with God. It was a power with God. As a prince, hast thou power with God? How does a prince have power with the king? The prince has power with the king because the prince is the son of the king. And the son has power with the father more than just anyone else because he's a son, because of his relationship. It's because he is a prince. Because he's a prince, it's he has the power. This is what's behind the John one twelve statement when it says a new power to become one of the sons of God and a new power from becoming a son, one of the sons of God. When it says in John 1.12, but as many as received unto them gave you the power to become the sons of God. Those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ have the power to become the sons of God. Now God is the king, and when a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ, he becomes a son of God, becomes a son of the king, he becomes a prince with God. He becomes an Israel, a prince with God. So if you blended these verses together in John 1.12 and Genesis 32.28, John 1.12 In Genesis 32, 28, you would come out with something like this. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become, as a prince, having power with God. And what activity is it that Jacob engages in when he has power with God? When he talks to God, when he prays, prayer. It's in prayer that he has power with God. You know, he doesn't walk around with some magician like throw some magic dust and things happen, you know, like the Egyptian... The magicians? No, it's when he prays. It's when he prays, when he's talking to his father, the king, that the prince has power with God. As the Lord Jesus Christ said in John sixteen twenty four. John sixteen twenty four. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, you shall receive that your joy may be full. And Luke eleven nine. Luke eleven nine. And I say unto you, ask, it shall be given you. Knock or seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So it's when Jacob is praying, that's when he's Israel. And when Jacob is in prayer, he's a prince having power with God. So here we see Jacob's sons going down to Egypt and for the first time, they're called the sons of Israel. What does that mean? Jacob's sons are now called, in verse five, the sons of the man who, when he prays, has power with God, the sons of Israel. All this is indicating to us in verse 5, when Jacob's sons are called the sons of Israel, that Jacob is praying for his sons as they go into Egypt. And why shouldn't he pray? I mean, he saw the strange behavior. They're looking at each other. He's afraid for Benjamin's life. And all this is created for him, a burden under which the man who was called Israel, a prince having power with God, he's praying. He's praying. And what's interesting here is that Jacob, as Israel is praying for his sons, the sons of Israel, and Jacob's, and Jacob's sons are about to enter the most critical time of their lives when they will face Joseph, they will confess their sin, they will ask for forgiveness, and it's like the sons of Israel are going to be saved from their sins, just like a person when he is saved and he faces the Lord Jesus Christ and confesses his sin and asks for forgiveness. And all of this is the early stages of reconciliation, which is beginning to happen, and Jacob is clueless. Jacob has no idea that this is happening. Only thing Jacob knows is that Joseph is dead, and all his sons are going down to Egypt, but he has no idea that Joseph is not dead, and that this trip to Egypt is the start of the reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers. He doesn't know. And if he came to Jacob and you said, are you burdened to pray for your sons? He'd say, yes, I'm burdened to pray for my sons. That's what I do is the activity of Jezreel. I exercise my power with God in prayer. And if you said to Jacob, Jacob, do you know what's going to happen to your sons in Egypt? He'd say, no, I don't. I don't know what's gonna happen to my sons. All I know is I'm burdened to pray for them and I'm putting my sons under the umbrella of my prayers. And when I do that, My sons become the sons of Israel. Now, that's an interesting picture for us. It's interesting in verse five. Why? Because Jacob, as Israel, is deeply burdened for his sons. He's praying for his sons. They have become now the sons of Israel. He's praying for them. He has no idea, no idea why it's so important for him to pray for his sons. He's just praying for his sons. And as a matter of fact, Jacob is so much in the dark of what's actually happening that if you asked him in verse five exactly what are you praying for, he'd say, I don't know. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to pray for my sons. All I know is that I'm burdened. I'm deeply concerned for my sons. I'm suspicious of their behavior. Just They've been staring at each other strangely. I'm afraid for Benjamin. That's why I'm praying for him. But I really don't know what to pray for. I really don't. And he doesn't. I'm just burdened. And that's why I'm here praying for him. My sons become the sons of the praying man, the sons of Israel. And if we said then to Jacob, well, Jacob, do you really think your prayers are gonna be effective when you don't know what to pray for? Jacob would say, yes, yes, I do. My prayers are effective for my sons, even when I don't know what to pray for, I don't need to know what to pray for because God knows and that's what's important. All I know is that I'm burdened for my sons and therefore I'm praying. God has promised that as a prince, I have power with God in prayer. And my power with God in prayer is not based on whether or not I know the details to what to pray for. My power with God is based on God telling me that as a prince, you have power with God. As a matter of fact, God doesn't need me to tell him because he knows much better. And then if we went to Jacob, okay now Jacob, when you pray for your sons and you don't know what to pray for, what do you say? What do you say in your prayers? And Jacob would say, well, I'll tell you what I say. I say this in my prayers to God for my sons. I say, oh, God, I'm deeply burdened for my sons. I saw the suspicious behavior. I'm afraid to send Benjamin. I don't know what's happening down there in Egypt with them. But you know, I don't know what to pray for, but your spirit knows. You know that spirit from creation, the hovering spirit. The hovering spirit from the creation of Genesis 1-2. He knows what I should be praying for, and he can take the burdens of my heart and my coming to you in total ignorance and make my prayers effective. So, oh God, please be good to my sons. Please protect, like Leanna said, please protect my sons. Please make my sons to be right with you. Please be the loving shepherd to my sons. And if you said, Are you happy with those prayers? You satisfied with those prayers? Jacob said, yes, I'm happy with those prayers because I know not the future, but I know who holds the future.
0: or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Christmas Under the Stars is back at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Christmas Under the Stars is a free family Christmas program on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m., Enjoy a live nativity, Christmas carolers, cookie decorating, ornament design, games, rides, petting zoos, and a dinosaur garden of lights. Family Christmas photos, holiday fair food, and astronomer star viewing and presentation by astronomer Spike sarus And a Christmas message by Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor and Free Creation Museum Admission on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. For more information about Christmas under the stars and dinosaurs at the Creation and Earth History Museum in San California on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Call us at 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104 or visit the Creation Museum online at CreationsD.org. That's CreationsD.org.